Welcome to episode number 91, Loneliness and an Invitation. I am Damon Soka, your host. Now before I get started with the topic of loneliness today, I would like to issue an invitation to those who are listening. I recognize, personally, my limitation when it comes to mental illness, and that I am, one, male, and two, middle-aged. I know that there are many stories out on the listening audience that probably and very likely would be helpful to others. Mental illness really knows no bounds when it comes to the human experience. There exists in this world a diverse group of us who suffer, and I believe that each story provides value to the whole. I would like to invite anyone who would like to talk about their mental illness journey, their successes, their failures, and what they've really done to manage their illness, and that also within the confines of the Church of Jesus Christ, to really sit down and talk with myself to discuss whatever you feel is important to the topic and to tell your story. In that invitation, I also include those who may not have the illness, but care for someone who does. The format for the interview will be open and accommodating to anyone who would like to talk. If you want to be anonymous or tell your story openly to the world, I can provide the format you choose that will best tell your story. Now, if you feel that you would like to tell your story, I'd ask you to contact me at dtsoka at gmail.com. So it is d-t-s-o-c-h-a at gmail.com. Or you may also text me at 509-263-8361. I really hope that you will consider it. Now on to today's topic. What does it mean to be lonely? I have no doubt those of you listening have felt it. It is an all too common effect of mental illness and of life in general, especially in our current world of digital interactions. Loneliness comes in many forms, from simply being without someone by your side who loves you, to truly being alone in a room full of people. And that room full of people don't have, do not have to be tr- strangers. Now, I'm sure that science has its theories as to why loneliness is such a large part of our mental health. Something about cavemen needing protection from predators and communities. I really don't view it from that perspective. I have no doubt that we do feel more secure in numbers and that there's some kind of protective understanding. But that certainly does not explain why we can feel so alone in a room full of people we know and perhaps even love. I don't believe that loneliness is some type of ancient protective biological development in our brains. I believe that the deep pain that comes from loneliness is simply a logical reaction from our spiritual emotions. We lived in a loving and deeply knit community of families and pre-mortality. I don't believe that we ever really knew true loneliness in any sense in the pre-mortal life. We had access to the Savior and our Father in Heaven and the true understanding of what it means to be to belong and to be loved. We lived in a tight-knit loving families designed to provide for our learning and growth and our agency in pre-mortal life before we, become, before we would come down to mortality. Now, we possessed a deep understanding of our origins and where we really fit into the plan of exaltation. We had great purpose. We had support. And most of all, we had many wonderful, loving relationships. It is these deep relationships that I truly believe are the cause of our feelings of loneliness in mortality. Our spiritual natures were cultivated through divine relationships with immortal beings, immortal exalted beings, and even our spirit brothers and sisters. Now those relationships became a part of who we are and were, and I believe that our spirit truly aches for those relationships to return to us. That feeling of lost relationships 
is what I believe to be the loneliness in this world. While the veil has been removed from our ability to see those moments that define those relationships, we can still feel those relationships and how much we miss them in our current lives. I personally do believe that many of the individuals we come in contact with throughout our lives are kindred spirits with whom we developed specific and often deep relationships. Now, have you ever connected with someone immediately as though you had been friends forever? Have you ever talked to someone and felt as though you had always been friends? Your first conversation was as if you were continuing something that had already been established long before. I don't believe these moments to be coincidental or just strange phenomenon. I believe that we are reconnecting with someone whom we knew long before mortality. I have no doubt personally that many family relationships on this earth are based on our relationship before this earth life. Our lives in many ways are a continuation of our lives before the veil and mortality. Now, as we talk about loneliness as a feeling and as a reality, it's important to understand not just the origin of our loneliness, but the feeling itself. Loneliness brings with it a deep yearning for connection. This connection is not just some wayward desire in our bodies or some caveman development, but a mental and physical need of the body and its systems. Now, Elder Stevenson alluded to this idea in the last conference when he spoke of this rabbit experiment, where connection and feeling loved and needed overcame some physical difficulties faced by the rabbits. Now, feeling loved and connected directly impacts our physical and spiritual health and can even overcome in some ways poor physical habits or even weaknesses possessed by the physical body. When we talk about our spiritual nature and its development, we cannot develop spiritual, spiritually without connection to other spiritual beings. Connection is a requirement for exaltation in the sense of a commandment and in the sense of nourishment to the soul. Eternal marriage is a requirement of exaltation, and the deep connection found in marriage really has been shown to be beneficial to all phases and all purposes of our life, the physical body and the spiritual development. However, the deep connection must be full of love, selflessness, and service for that full benefit of that connection to be realized. Marriages that lack deep love and connection that are based more on inward selfish behaviors are often damaging to the soul rather than helpful and damaging to the physical body. The same is true for every relationship we develop in this life. The closer the relationship is to a charity type of love or a charitable love, the greater the benefit to the spirit and body. The more selfish and prideful the love, the more damaging that relationship will be to the soul. In episode 88, I discussed the difference between feelings and emotions. Emotions being the underlying subconscious changes in the body chemistry that give rise to our feelings. Now, our deep-seated need for belonging, acceptance, and connection to other human beings, and sometimes to animals, gives rise to two types of feelings, depending upon the external and internal circumstances of the mind and body. When the emotional need for connection is met through purposeful, charitable relationships, we feel connected, loved, and content. When we do not or cannot have this type of relationship in our lives, then loneliness is the resulting feeling. Meaning, when our need is met, our emotional need is met, our body gives rise to positive feelings. And when our need is not met, our body gives rise to very negative feelings. Now, in a normal, balanced set of emotions for someone who is normal, meaning someone who is not affected by mental illness, the body seeks out and does a reasonable job of interpreting emotional signals 
correctly and establishing connected relationships to fulfill our to fulfill the emotional needs and provide for that positive reinforcement. However, in an unbalanced state of emotions where mental illness has altered the underlying emotional state of the body, it can be and is often very difficult for the emotional subconscious body to give rise to feelings of connectedness or acceptance. When depression, anxiety, or even mania alter the emotional state of the body, we cannot and do not connect to people in ways that are positive for the body. For, the, for me, the easiest way to explain this is when I felt depression or the terrible anxiety that came with it, and even in my mania, I personally knew that I could not trust my emotional state as it was misleading me. And I tended to ignore or push away my emotional system for a more rational perspective. However, without my emotional system, I was actually unable to form deep connected relationships. And my interactions with individuals tended to be more rational and superficial than deeply connected. Now, these type of superficial relationships that come with mental illness do not entirely fulfill the emotional need for the connectedness. And thus, we often feel alone, even when we might have many good friends. It is a very common occurrence for those who suffer with mental illness to push aside or ignore the emotional system because it's gone haywire or out of sorts and to turn to more rational thought. However, it is through this emotional system that we understand happiness, connectedness, love, and charity. So in essence, we are turning away from the very system that provides for our overall well-being and that connected feeling. Now, this is understandable that we would turn away from, turn away from this system when it turns negative and goes haywire. But because we lack trust in the emotional system through the mental illness, we also tend to turn away from it when it is functioning properly. One of the greatest problems caused by us turning away from this emotional system is that we are unable to form truly deep relationships and find true connectedness and love. Rational love is certainly not the same as emotional love and acceptance. Now I realize I have simplified the process that is very complex and often our connect connectedness to other people, animals, or things falls between superficial slash rational and deeply emotionally connected. We will always develop some type of emotional connection to other people as we interact with them, even when our connection might be very limited by our illness. But this connection will tend to be a more rational understanding mixed with some limited feelings brought about by the emotional system. Now, the loneliness created by our inability to connect deeply to others causes some difficult behaviors to arise. Because our desire to love and to be loved is so deeply rooted within our souls, and because the mental illness seriously alters this emotional state, those of us who suffer tend to accept counterfeit substitutions to fulfill this desire in our emotional state. Those substitutions come in many forms of physical, sexual relationships, acceptance into groups that cause us to behave in ways contrary to gospel standards, accepting abusive relationships or friendships, covering the emotional state with drugs or alcohol, and any number of destructive behaviors found within this mental illness community. The question is why we accept these substitutes at all, rather than just accepting our loneliness. I really truly believe that, that the answer comes to that in the form of deep emotional pain. When such profound emotional desire goes unfulfilled, the body reacts with truly negative 
emotional states that we interpret. These negative feelings tend to be very strong and painful to the mind and body. All types of physiological and psychological changes begin to occur when our emotional need is not met. Our physical health will begin to deteriorate. In some cases, we can experience detrimental symptoms to life itself. These symptoms can range from something akin to the flu to outright pain throughout the body. They can cause one to overeat, to stop eating, to sleep all the time, or to have insomnia. What will almost always be true is the body will begin to alter or die in some ways and slowly stop to function properly. I believe that many of our mental illness symptoms result and can be related to the unfulfilled emotional need for connection and love. When you cannot connect to others because of your illness or the outside world, life can quickly become, in some ways, not worth living. Now, one of the many things I have struggled with my entire life because of mental illness is my ability to feel and develop charity. Charity is the Christ-like attribute that is directly tied to connection, love, and deep relationships. If you are unable to feel and develop charity, then your relationships will not form correctly, and they will tend to be far more shallow and far more rational. For many years now, I have conversed with the Lord about how best to develop charity within my mental illness and then further develop those relationships. Now, because I was very young when I encountered my mental illness, I never learned how to form strong bonds with another person. Now, I only found out why I had such trouble with these with my relationships in my late 30s or early 20s when I was uh, diagnosed. And I have, from that point until now, tried to develop charity and connectedness my soul has needed. I can't say that I'm all the way there. And I can't say that I'm all the way where I would like to be. But I am. I can see myself moving forward slowly. And when I speak of relationships... In, the, in that sense, I actually include the most important one, which is the one with the Savior and my Father in Heaven. I struggled in my mind to my mid to late 30s to develop a true and abiding relationship with Deity through prayer. I believe that this is the case for most people who suffer with mental illness. Developing a relationship with Father in Heaven takes the same emotional state and abilities as it does when we develop earthly relationships. Development of charity is one of the key attributes to connection with heaven. When mental illness changes or alters our emotional status or state, we struggle to develop true feelings of love and worship towards the Savior and our Father in heaven. Now, I'm sure this is not news to anyone who has mental illness, but understand it is because mental illness alters our emotional system, which in turn affects our ability to feel charity and develop those relationships. So ultimately, what can one do really about this problem? As is with most mental illness concerns, I really don't know that I have an easy answer. Certainly manage one, managing one's illness is critical, and understanding the problem, the relationship problem, can be helpful to creating some understanding and combating the problem. Now, I think certainly that counselors can be helpful in helping the brain to somewhat rework and train and relearn this emotional state that we need I have struggled for many years with this idea of deep connection, and I even wonder myself if I'm capable of such connectedness. Now, I see outwardly how some individuals appear to have a much greater connection to one another than I do in my relationships. For myself, I've had to put a great deal of effort to develop what I have, and it seems so limited compared to others. Now, I know that I should not compare, but I do so 
in the sense of judgment, not in the sense of judgment or of myself or another person. I do so to understand what a true relationship would look like and feel like. This has been my greatest trial in life, and I know many others who suffer deeply because they really are unable to develop these strong ties to others and to heaven. For myself, my answer has been to put forth my effort and to ask the Lord to provide what he can. My progress, at least from my perspective, has been slow. Well, much slower than I would like it to be. Although I can see progress, and perhaps one day, when all of this is over, I can hope that maybe the Lord will grant me whatever I lack. Until then, I accept for now what I have and what I'm able to develop, and I try to cherish the relationships that I have, even though they may not be developed to the point I would like them to be. So that is it for our discussion on loneliness tonight, this week. So until next week, do your part so the Lord can do His. And if you feel inclined to share your story, again, please contact me at my email, dt s-o-c-h-a at gmail.com or at my phone number texting me 509-263-8361. We'll talk to you next week.